1: Welcome to the start of a brand new week on Political Rewind. It's Monday, May 3rd. I'm Bill Nigat. I'm very glad to have you with us. I hope you all had a really wonderful weekend. For me, the highlight of the weekend was to see a horse that sold as a yearling for $1,000 and then sold subsequently for twenty-five, dollars I think, or $35,000 win the Kentucky Derby against a field of horses that sold for millions of of dollars. That was just kind of a thrilling event on Saturday afternoon. Um, I want to thank Donna Lowry for filling in for me on Friday. I had to take another day off, and uh, she did a wonderful job, as we knew she would. Um, But I'm here to stay uh, for a while, Um, and I want to get right to our panel today because we have so much to talk about. Um, It's Monday, which means my partner on the show is Jim Galloway, former political columnist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Jim, uh, right before the show, you said to me that you had a big news story to break about the Raphael Warnock Senate race in 2022, which just proves to me, and by the way, we're teasing it now because we're going to talk coronavirus first, but it just proves that you may not be at the AJC anymore, but you are still in the game,
2: Galloway. Yeah, they tend to drag you back in, whether you like it or not, don't they? (laughs)
1: I'm glad you're here today and that we have successfully uh, dragged you back in. We're also joined by Dr. Karen Landman, a triple threat at the very least, uh, a physician, uh, an epidemiologist, and a health and medical journalist. Uh, Karen, thank you for joining us today. It's been a while since we've looked at coronavirus, but I think this is a really good time to assess where we stand in the first part of the show today. So thanks for being here.
0: I agree, and I'm so glad to be here with you all.
1: Um, All right, let's talk about that to start. Um, You know, Jim, I want to start by saying that we can never separate the politics of coronavirus, I think, from the public health aspects of uh, the coronavirus. They've been a continuing thread through the entire pandemic. And the latest in terms of that is that on Friday, Governor Kemp lifted almost all of the remaining restrictions that the state had put in place, uh, starting as long ago as last spring. Um, that includes that there is no longer a need for restaurants to have kind of social distancing seating arrangements. Gyms don't need to have social distancing. Uh, venues, entertainment venues, movie theaters and the like, no longer have uh, restrictions in place. Uh, by the way, in terms of restaurants, uh, the governor said that uh, people who work in the restaurants, servers and the like no longer have to wear masks. Um, and and so as with every decision in the in the virus, you have to look at the political as well as the public health implications. Do you think that's a fair assessment?
2: Yeah, look, health policy is public policy and all public policy is political policy. I th- I think you have to. I think we have to accept that, uh, and also I mean just this. This is a matter of of uh, of uh, political philosophy uh, uh, imposing itself on epidemiology. You've got uh, look. You've got a, a governor, uh, a Republican governor, who's dedicated to 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 keeping. Uh, particularly small businesses up and operating, so that's his that that has that has been one of his top concerns, uh, and then you also have uh, where this is happening when we still got the Georgia still has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country, and that speaks to a a a a political philosophy in which you don't have a a, a really. Uh, active, aggressive government. It is, it, you know, uh, uh, Kemp, uh, Governor Kemp is putting the onus on citizens to go out and get their vaccine, rather than the vaccine coming to them. Uh, one of the things that I hope will we'll Karen will be talking about is is the fact that we haven't, you know, we're, it's 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 late spring. Uh, the fall semester is 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 looming at at Georgia universities. And we have had very few universities other than Emory say whether they're going to require vaccinations before uh, 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 compacting all these students in dormitories in the fall.
1: Oh, yeah. Karen, I want you to, to bring you in. Uh, Galloway already laid out a few of the uh, key issues here. Among, among them, the fact that we still lag behind much of the country in terms of shots in arms for coronavirus. Um, and yet... The virus is a slowing down. The latest numbers show that in like 42 states across the country, the virus is, it, the, the rates of new infections are dropping dramatically. It's, Karen, it feels like a conflicting and confusing message when you add what Governor Kemp has lifted with all of the other news about the virus. Talk to us about this.
0: Yeah, so I think, first of all, zooming out a little bit time-wise, I think it's not unreasonable to think there's going to be some seasonal element to this virus's dynamics, right? So any respiratory virus, a virus that is spread by people's breathing, is going to be more easily transmitted when everybody is trapped inside and crowded together. And when the weather warms up, um, it, it... often helps with dispersing the virus uh, among the people who are gathering, um, giving people opportunities to be outside together. Um, You know what I think, um, it's not obviously the only contributor to the the spread of the virus. Um, And I think it would be a a mistake for us to imagine that once it's it's dispersed enough uh, and once we're vaccinated, you know, partially vaccinated, you know, we're kind of done. Um, What we fear is that when things cool down a little more or when people, you know, go inside a lot because it's so hot that they must be indoors with air conditioning, that we're going to see increased spread of the virus. And it doesn't remain the same type of virus once it starts to spread again. That's one of the big issues here is that we see a lot of mutation with this virus as with at any virus. And that leads to the emergence of these uh, mutant variants, which have more transmissibility and in some cases uh, are more dangerous to the people who, uh, who contract those viruses. So we have an increasing threat from this virus as time moves on through the summer into a cooler season. And that increases the urgency for us to get shots into more arms before those shots become ineffectual. That is currently theoretical. We haven't seen that happen. But I think that's a, a real worry on the part of the people following these issues. So I think that getting the vaccine into arms is really a great priority for that reason.
1: Well, although I don't have the breakdown for the state of Georgia, the New York Times reported over the weekend that some 8% of people who received nationwide the first dose of vaccine uh, have not opted so far at least to get a second dose, and that in and of itself, Karen, has got to be troubling. We do know the first dose provides a fair amount of protection, but the second dose is what puts you over the top, right?
0: Yeah, you know, and I I don't know the exact reasons why those people haven't come back for doses. I think some people forget. Um, You know, a lot of states also, um, some states don't have, or, or municipalities don't have what's called second dose clinics specifically, so you don't Um, you're not actually always sure whether the people coming for what is, quote, a first dose uh, are really just from out of town and getting their second dose there. Um, Sometimes uh, people just get busy and confused and they feel partially protected enough that they don't need to get their, don't feel they need to get their second dose. I honestly, personally, am a little more concerned about how we're going to get the people who have no interest in even getting to that first dose in. And I think there are some some creative things happening at state levels to try to make that happen. You know, West Virginia recently offered its uh, its younger residents a hundred dollar savings bond uh, in um, in exchange for getting their vaccines, and they're they're actually offering that retroactively to everybody in that in that group who um, who got their vaccine already. But that's you know you can incentivize it, um, and you can also you know maybe you can convince some people who are really Maybe politically swayed from getting the, the vaccine, toward getting the vaccine by answering questions um, in in those communities and having you know trusted figures by those communities talk about their own experiences with COVID. But I think what ultimately will probably be the biggest mover toward getting vaccines in the arms of folks who are uh, who still have questions is uh, is when the vaccine goes from being just emergency use authorized to being fully approved. Because I think that's the point when schools and work sites will require it. um, And I think that will probably be the biggest mover in getting shots into arms.
1: Um, Jim, we know that by the polling that it is Republicans who are more, more, tend to be more, and especially Republican men, who tend to be more resistant to getting vaccinated than uh, other parts of the population. Um, Even Governor Kemp, in making his announcement on Friday, you already mentioned, he said he's urging people to get vaccinated is his solution for why he opens everything up and people can be safe. And I did think that there was an interesting message in in, in what he said when he said um, the surest way to open the economy back up is if everyone does get vaccinated. There is a message Republicans can send that at least offers a chance that maybe... Uh, they can overcome the resistance that uh, uh, people who support Republicans have had to vaccination.
2: Right, and and that was an echo of 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 what you saw uh, a number of uh, re- Republican uh, members of Congress who were also MDs last week, who, mm-hmm. who 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 were 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 framing the the virus as a ticket to freedom. Uh, if you want yeah. if you want to lose your mask in all situations, the best path toward it is with the vaccination. And and but but I but I but I think to t- to Karen's point is, it it's now become uh, spreading the vaccine has become a matter of grunt work. It is grassroots. It is shoe leather time, and and uh it, it, uh it, this is this is coming at a time we're shutting down eight uh eight mass vaccines stations uh very shortly, you know that's 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 the volunteerism vacc vaccination effort. Uh, that's that's go, that's going away or it's being severely limited. Now it's now you've got to hunt the people who don't have time, who are afraid of it, who are who are reluctant. Uh, but you've got to go to you've got to go to them
1: rather than them coming to you. I, I think that's important. Um, you know, Karen, a few weeks ago on this show, Valerie Montgomery Rice, the president of Morehouse School of Medicine, uh, who we were thrilled we were able to uh, talk to on the show. <clears throat> so, you know, She had a plan that she talked about for Morehouse to take out mobile vaccination units and go through communities where there was some resistance to vaccines. Um, and they were going to use the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, make it one and done. And then they were slowed down, of course, by the delay, in, you know, the, the pause in allowing... That vaccination to move forward, it's back on again now. And Jim makes an important point: um, if if we don't go to the people, it's questionable whether they're going to come in, right?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of value in showing up in people's communities, and you know, the trusted people in those communities being the ones who show up um, and and being the voice for the vaccine. Um, and I think public health. Uh, Can do a lot. They can uh, educate. They can provide talking points. They can supply vaccine. They can supply resources to go out to those communities. But I think the faces and voices that people need to hear are perhaps not the ones of public health officials, not the ones of government, but the ones of people they know and trust who have had COVID-19. um,
1: I've experienced Karen Laman, we, we got a lot more to talk about with the vaccine, but right now the voices people need to hear are the folks here at GPB Radio who are encouraging everyone to become supporters of GPB. Yes, we are in the last days of our, by our semi-annual, our pledge drive, our spring pledge drive. We still need your support. We still thank those of you who have already given it to us. If you haven't, here's how you can. <laughs> Jim Galloway and Karen Landman uh, join us uh, today for uh, Political Rewind. Um, Karen, let me start with you, if I I, I may. Uh, In addition to what Governor Kemp did on Friday, the Atlanta City Council today is taking up an executive order that Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms uh, executed uh, late last week. She is now saying that there can be gatherings of up to 10,000 people, uh, presumably in concert uh, settings, uh, and, and that she believes that's safe. We'll see how the city council responds to that today. But I, I want to get your thoughts on that, in part because you pointed, Jim Galloway and I, to a couple of articles uh, from the New York Times, one of which is about a concert in Barcelona where uh, it was kind of an experiment, a test to see whether the virus would spread there, and it didn't. Um, so again, these kind of mixed and confusing signals about whether it's safe for us to lift these restrictions.
0: Yeah, it is It is confusing. I think part of the confusion is that um, it's been hard for people to understand what how much to value each of the sort of preventive strategies you can take. There's, you know, being outside is itself a preventive strategy, but there's being outside, you know, in a, in a sparsely populated area and being outside in a crowd. And when you're outside in a crowd and people aren't really moving around that much, you know, for example, like at a festival or uh, even at a parade where there's a lot of movement, Um, you know, when you're instead in sort of a a stadium, the air above and around the people that you're near doesn't move nearly as much, and you're a lot more likely to actually breathe in somebody else's air. So that is a riskier situation. So being outside is somewhat of a mitigation strategy, but it's not complete. Um, You also need distance and masks um, if you're going to be in a a crowded, I mean, obviously distance doesn't factor in in a crowded place, but masks do. And in this Barcelona experiment, this is actually indoors, and it was about a month ago that the, the, it ran, where a, a relatively small proportion of the Spanish population had been vaccinated. And what they did is they tested everybody as they came in. There were 5,000 people in this venue that normally holds about 17,000. They were all on the dance floor rather than in the stands. So it was pretty crowded if you look at pictures. And they weren't instructed to um, social distance at all, but they were uh, required to wear a medical-grade mask, an FFP Uh, five, I think, or 50 masks over their nose and mouth the whole time. And um, indeed, there were no infections at that time. So I guess what that says is if everybody wears a mask, then even if people aren't um, fully, you know, even if everybody isn't vaccinated, as long as you don't have a, a high level of infection in the group, you can do this safely. But that's not really what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about letting everybody go to a concert outside, letting them do what they want, masks I don't think masks are going to be mandated at this. I could be wrong. I haven't seen the order, and you're definitely not going to be asking people to be tested on the way in. So this is a really different calculation, and we should not underestimate the risk that could emerge from this.
1: Jim,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got the example of India, uh, which was, uh, which uh, the uh, uh, epidemiologists there are are saying is a a case of of hubris. Uh, Karen, one one thing I'd, I'd like to know is, is that. Uh, with all i mean because we are not headed toward herd immunity we are going to be dealing with a whole lot of variants probably possibly on a seasonal variant could we this summer could we be seeing some uh some offerings of booster shots of 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 third doses for for Mm -hmm. for vac for vaccines
0: Yeah, I did read that at least one manufacturer says they plan to release a booster shot before the end of the year. So I think we can expect to see that. But, you know, if people aren't taking the first vaccine, getting them to take the booster shot, I don't think is going to be much easier. I think it'll just continue to protect the people who um, have opted to take a vaccine for now.
1: Um, I I want to turn to something, um, which is the Jim just mentioned India. India has now about to reach 20 million cases of coronavirus. We know that the coronavirus, even while we're having a break in many states here from the big, big uh, caseloads that we had uh, for the last year, the world is seeing new record numbers of coronavirus outbreaks. And, and the question becomes, Karen, um, we, aren't, we live in a global society. Yes, the United States is now limiting air travel from India, but the world is still experiencing uh, uh, terrible outbreaks of the virus. We're, we're not immune from these, those those outbreaks coming to our shores.
0: I know, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, you sound an awful lot like people sounded in January of last year. Um, and I think it's a little dismaying that we are at this stage and we really don't appear to have globally learned the lessons that this pandemic really has to teach us. And I guess we don't have to, we can continue to exist in this kind of limbo uh, between threat and risk and fear and, you know, true freedom and, and joy. <laughs> um we don't, you know. I think do, overcoming that and reconciling ourselves to the sacrifices that we would really have to make in order to globally move the needle on this uh, would take a would take a real cultural shift that I don't think we've made yet.
1: Hey Jim, you know, speaking of politics and the virus, and speaking of India, um, it's interesting that Prime Minister Modi in India is now under fire uh, from many quarters including some within his own party, for not preparing India properly for the virus, but more important, perhaps, for being uh, overly optimistic in the messaging that he said, "Uh, we've got it under control, control, we'll take care of it. And in elections, uh, just uh, in the last week or so, his party suffered a significant defeat, Mm -hmm. which suggests that in India, coronavirus is a big political issue, as it was here in our 2020 elections
2: yeah yeah the the hindu nationalist party took a beating of, and 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 the parallel with uh with republicans here in the us is 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 pretty stark i mean it's 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 interesting how how it, the the message of uh limited government slash uh boosting economic growth has has as has just uh, uh been really altered by 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 pandemic politics yeah Yeah.
1: Um, Karen, we've only got a couple minutes left in this segment. Um, Let let me ask you a a more general question. How optimistic are you that by, say, the end of 2021, um, life will be as close to back to normal as possible? And what are the factors which will make that possible? You
0: know, I think a lot of that will hinge, Bill, on what we learn about the variants' role in continuing outbreaks i think right now it's not a hundred percent clear whether those variants are just a consequence of huge amounts of spread or whether they're driving meaning they're the cause of huge amounts Mm. of spread i think if they're just a consequence and they don't actually drive anything they don't make anything happen then I, I think we may be in a good place. You know, there was an article today in the New York Times that experts are increasingly uh, feeling that herd immunity is, is not going to happen and we're just going to have to treat this like a seasonal illness. And, Um, If that's the case, we will eventually reach a point where most people have been exposed either by vaccine or by illness to one of the antigens, one of the parts of this virus, and have a little bit of immunity as a result. And so it'll be a more low-level type of thing that doesn't result in these huge surges in hospitals every season. But but if we find that the variants are actually driving outbreaks, then I think this is just going to slam us over and over and over again until we get the picture as a, as a global society and do something different um, in how we, uh, how we ourselves volunteer to get vaccinated, how we require vaccination, and just how we see public health as, and connectedness as part of our lives on Earth.
1: So, Karen, your message, which we reinforce on this show virtually every day, is, first of all, Please keep wearing your mask, whether you're vaccinated or not, and put it over your nose, for goodness sake. I still see people who wear the mask on their mouth. I can't understand what the heck they're thinking, Karen. That's number one, right? Wear the mask.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. But, Bill, you know, another thing that we're learning, it's not actually brand new news to public health, but you can't get people to do things by yelling at them and bossing them and um, treating them like children. You must approach people with care and with love if you want them to, to learn something new and, and do a new behavior.
1: And that's the key to the other big, big deal. Get vaccinated. And you're right. It's so easy to give in to being feeling superior or smug and wanting to yell at somebody who doesn't share your thinking about how to protect themselves from the virus. That's never going to get us anywhere, Karen. Right.
0: It's not a winning public health right. strategy. We have to invite people in.
1: Karen Landman, um, thank you so much for your insights. Um, Galloway and I are going to talk a little politics. I want to spare you from having to dig into the uh, uh, swamp of partisan politics on the show today. But we are so grateful, Dr. Landman, for your participation in the show today. We will see you again, I'm sure, in the very near uh, future. Um, All right. we got to get to our final pledge break when we come back. Galloway has big, big news about the U.S. Senate race featuring Raphael Warnock. Here's how you can support GPB Radio in the meantime. You know, Jim Galloway, uh, I've said this on the show before, but given that we're in the middle of our spring pledge drive, it should not go unmentioned right now. You have been on this show from the very beginning about seven years ago. Uh, I think you were on the very first Political Rewind, and you have, over the years, uh, during your many years at the AJC and then coming on board with us, uh, without question been one of the people that our listeners really value hearing from. And so I'm thrilled that, uh, even though you've now stepped aside from your AJC role, we still get the benefit of your wisdom on politics on this show every uh, Monday. So you are an extremely important part of what we do here. And I just want to acknowledge that, Jim.
2: Well, thank you very much.
1: It does keep me honest, doesn't it? (laughs) And speaking of which, you got a tip that is big, big news. Just last week, there were a lot of, there's a lot of buzz around the fact that no major Republican name was stepping forward to challenge Raphael Warnock in the 2022 Race. I mean, they are obviously the person will have to win a GOP primary first, but uh, we have a couple of people who are lesser known, and now it appears there will be a pretty significant Republican name stepping up. Yes, right. Yeah, this comes from a a a mutual friend. uh,
2: but uh, the, the the problem here at for has been uh, a tr- the the Trump camp, especially out of M- Mar a Lago, has been pushing Herc- Herschel Walker, the former UGA yeah. great who has been who who is a resident of Texas, but still has a lot of cachet in Georgia. Uh, he has a lot of handicaps as well. Uh, he would be a newcomer, just like Kelly Leffler was. And uh, you've got some uh, some pushback among Washington Republicans who don't feel that that he would be up to defeating Warnock. Okay, now we are hearing that uh, Gary Black, the state agriculture commissioner, is about to jump into the U.S. Senate race against Warnock. This is important for a couple of couple of reasons. Number one, uh, the Republican strategy uh, over the last few cycles has been to really energize the uh, rural white voters uh and this is something that that uh the that that, that that gary black could bring to the table he's got a he's got uh two or three uh elect statewide election cycles under him and so he's and he's and he's got a, he's very popular he's got good contacts and so this is this i think is is rather important the only other uh, state uh state known elected official uh, who's considering the race has been buddy carter uh the other Mm -hmm. thing that uh, he's this uh, the congressman from uh, the republican congressman from the savannah area the other thing this means also is of course it means that the the you have yet another statewide office vacant coming up in 2022 and, and, uh, and Democrats are, 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 are really eyeing some of these lower tier races that they could go after in a, in, a, in a big way. And this is one of them, I think. Uh,
1: I think that's really interesting news. Uh, your point is well taken. I mean, Gary Black has been a very successful and popular ag commissioner, I think. I don't, Jim, I don't know where Gary Black's from in the state. Oh
2: boy! I'm gonna have to get on my Google uh, real quick to to to, yeah. to 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 tell you that. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I I think he's he's got a residence here now. I don't know where he hails from, but but even before, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, he was he was he was a, just a vital voice in the agribiz in, in, in on on the agribusiness council uh, during the Tommy Irvin days, uh, the the kind of the la- the last Democratic ag, ag commissioner. Uh, uh, um, but but you go ahead, go ahead. No, but 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 look. Uh, it, regardless of where he's from, it's his it's his network that's uh, that's actually uh, most important. I think
1: um, the reason I ask that is, and I'm looking him up right now, and I haven't seen where he grew. Up. I, I mention that because we you know it, we know that uh, it's harder to win statewide, certainly as a new candidate. If you're from a rural part of Georgia, uh, but even if he it, you know, but he is now kind of implanted in Atlanta, and his work as ag commissioner certainly has made him well-known across the state. So I was just curious about where he actually made you know, uh, uh, grew up. I do know he went to the University of Georgia. I see that now. Um, by the way, Buddy Carter—I don't know if you <laughs> saw this or not, but our friend Adam Van Brimmer, the editorial director of the Savannah Morning News not long ago, uh, wrote a, an opinion piece— in which he encouraged Buddy Carter to run for U.S. Senate, uh, but the piece was a, not a compliment. He said we should we should have do everything we can to get Buddy Carter out of our district <laughs> because he's just the wrong guy for uh, the U.S. House. It was a very kind of funny piece, actually.
2: All right, <laughs> uh, Amelia is 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 reminding me that that that, uh, that Gary is from Commerce. Again, important. Okay, good. That's North Georgia. That's, that's North yeah. Georgia.
1: That's right. That's North That's, that's what, North, okay,
2: good. It's North Georgia good. and and that's where the vote, where the votes are. Uh, uh a lot Thank of the votes you, are. Yeah.
1: So so um Jim, we haven't heard about from Herschel Wash Walker yet. But it, is he a viable candidate for US Senate? Yes, he's a hugely popular football hero in the state, but those kinds of candidates don't necessarily convert their successes in sports to elected office.
2: No, and 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 look, I'm, I'm among those who who are hoping that 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 uh, Mr. Walker has got a true friend who will who will talk to him bluntly and tell him about the realities of campaigning in Georgia. As I mean, yes, he's a familiar figure, but. But he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't live here, and thus you can't assume that he knows the issues. He knows the territory. Uh, it's it's the one thing that new new newly hatched politicians find out about Georgia is that it's a huge state, much like Texas, uh, and it is it it requires a a real depth of knowledge. You've got and and you've got a a fellow who's a just an icon who can walk into any Rotary Club, any Kiwanis Club, any 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 gathering in Georgia and be hailed as a hero. If he is, if he steps into this primary, uh, a lot of ugly things are going to be, be coming out. He wrote a book about his his uh, uh, dissociative his his struggle with uh, dissociative uh, uh, personality disorder. Uh, uh, also known as multi personality dis- dis- uh, disorder, uh, uh, his 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 ex wife has accused of has accused him of of, of pointing a gun at her. Uh, it is you've you've got that will become out that has to come out in a Republican primary. That will come out in a Republican primary uh, because they're the, these are not tea parties. Uh, uh, in the in well, the lowercase it, be- sense.
1: Thank you. Uh, So Galloway breaks news here on Political Rewind. We're really grateful for that. Let's turn to another interesting uh, subject, Jim. Uh, Governor Kemp made a surprise visit to the border uh, along uh, the uh, southern border of the United States in Texas on uh, Friday. It was unannounced, but they certainly took full advantage of his visit there on their social media platform. Uh, And his ostensible reason for going, of course, was um that we have like three hundred national guard troops on the border. Um, but I think it's safe to say there was a political motivation behind it as well, yes.
2: yeah, and i would I would just suspect that there might have been a videographer with him uh, <laughs> uh, putting together some b-roll material for for the coming twenty twenty two campaign. Uh, it's, it, what, what it tells you is, is that this is going to be 2022 is going to be yet another base election and it's, it's, it's going to be a nationalized election and it's not, it's going to be about, uh, immigration is, was, is going to be one of those big factors. That's, you you see Republicans in Washington already identifying that as one of Joe Biden's potential weaknesses, uh, and where they're going where they're going to hit him so that's 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 uh so so kemp is is it's 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 kind of an interesting play for a a, a governor who is still slightly on the more than slightly on the ounce with uh with a trump base in georgia
1: he um he sat down with texas governor greg abbott who is about as conservative as brian kemp is and uh abbott gave him a little boost, uh, saying how wonderful it was that the governor cares about the situation at the border. And, of course, we should point out, and from a political point of view, uh, uh, Jim, that in, a, in one of his tweets about his visit, he, uh, he, he criticized Kamala Harris. He said, if Vice President Harris isn't willing to come to the border, I am. Uh, and, of course, Republicans are going to do all they can to take advantage of the fact that there are people who believe the Biden administration has been slow to respond to the uh, serious problems that developed, continue to develop along the border. We, they still don't seem to have a plan in place to deal with the surge of immigrants with children who are uh, 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 being kept in facilities that are maybe questionable. And, and that's going to be a weakness that they'd better deal with, the Democrats have got to deal with. Here in Georgia and across the country in twenty twenty two elections.
2: Right. And and you know, you've got Biden talking about the possibility of of, of a large scale immigration reform effort. I just don't think that's 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 gonna happen uh in 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 it in a twenty twenty two climate. Uh when 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 you've got when you've got Republicans on the bubble uh in in a position to take over not only the house but but possibly the senate as well and that which brings us back to that us senate race and and it, 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 just if we could back up just a little bit to governor kemp here what's interesting here is 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 are are the are the you know the 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 the, the, the plays that are being made behind the kind of the republican curtain you have governor kemp who's on the outs with with trump voters but you've got Gary Black, who who's I'm sure is a, 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 a solid Trump supporter, but also very popular with the Republican establishment, throwing himself out as an alternative to a, 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 a real Trump, uh, a Trump candidate in Herschel Walker. Then you've got you've – got, but you've also got Jody Heiss, the U.S. representative from the Athens area, who is, who is running against Brad Raffensperger. And 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 if you think about, uh, in my mind, I think one of Kemp's real problems might be, is if in a primary Kemp wins, he beats Vernon Jones, uh, uh, and and Jody Heiss beats Brad Ravensburger. so you've got a a a a. a a Trump supporter who, who disavowed the results of the 2020 election in in the secretary of state's position as a candidate. But you've got a governor who upheld that uh, that that race. And that's going to be a conflict. And that's uh, Gary Black kind of helps helps
1: Kemp over that hump, I think. Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, what, what you point out is fascinating to me. It's increasingly looking, and we don't know it for sure because there's plenty of time before the primary next spring, but increasingly it appears that Brian Kemp is going to dodge a serious uh, challenge uh, in the Republican Party. Doug Collins isn't going to go after him. Uh, but, but of course, what's really going to matter is that general election race. And that's where all this Trumpiness could come into play in a major way uh, for Brian Kemp in a reelection campaign.
2: Right, right. If if you've got if 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 Brad Raffensperger is on the is 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 the the Republican candidate for re- uh, election as Secretary of State, I think Kemp is in a much stronger position uh yeah, than yeah. uh but but if if it's Jody
1: Heiss, eh, not so much. Yeah. Um, um Jim, we are out of time for today's political rewind. I'm a little sorry because I was really hoping we could talk Stone Mountain and the efforts there to turn things around but let's put that on hold there's going to be plenty of time to talk about it and i want to talk about it with you because uh you have been a driving force in uh suggesting how important it is for the stone mountain authority uh to do something to to change the way in which that park is interpreted by people today. And so we will do something about that in an upcoming show. In the meantime, thank you for being with us today and giving us that great Gary Black story. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, In the meantime, take care, stay healthy, wear your mask above your nose, and encourage your friends to get the vaccine you've already gotten. Here's how you can support GPB Radio.